Are your headphones loud enough? Mine? Yeah. It's kind of too loud. Like. Better? A little bit lower. Better now? Three or four. A or B? That's good. One, two. Modingo and with me with a red solo cup of homebrew from homebrew. from coach Jason Jason Rhodes yep is Leonardo Bovinci what's up man <laughs> painting stuff yeah dude I mean I was actually just looking at the Canaan uh artwork up here so yeah for those of you that uh have seen some of our videos there's a, a picture in the background with a bunch of handprints that's a tribute to Canaan he was a young man that uh has moved on to do greater things in life uh, he's he's an angel up there watching us, laughing at us, making our uh, one more rep podcast shows. He ain't worried about us. <laughs> he ain't worried about us. No. <laughs> he's got more important things to ha- more yeah. important business to handle. All the Pokemon, <laughs> all the Pokemons, all the Pokemon, the Legos, yeah. And so whenever you see the uh, orange on any of the excess gear or the wristbands that you see me wearing routinely, that's all. Huge shout out to Kanan. Also with us is your friend and mine, Jenna Fisher. I'm your guys' friend now. He can't speak for me. I already know where I stand, but Mo, I'm your friend. Yes. Wow. Even though she does sit during the show. Mo's fingers were crossed. (laughs) How was your week, man? Did you have a good week? Weather's changing. Yeah, I'm pumped about the weather. Uh, You get allergies? Yep. I'm year round though, for some reason. It's, as I got older, it keeps getting worse. I don't know. It's just been a weird week. I know, kind of busy, kind of not. Mm-hmm. But but one thing is for sure, and we mentioned in our little uh, chat, uh, the open is over. Thank God. We're done talking about it. Yep. Done talking about that. Until October. Yep. <laughs> when it starts Peace. all over again. But again, like uh, my buddy Ralph Mentorosa from the Barbell Jerks, how are they going to number them, though, in the fall? Is it going to yeah, be 19 or is it gonna be 19, yeah. six? Yeah. Or is it going to be 21? You know, can you really, you know. How's this going to play out? Doesn't matter. Ralph, man, you got me asking questions that I can't answer, bro. <laughs> what about you, Jenna? How was your week? It was all right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. All right. Yeah. I'm starting to get busy, so that's good. Busy with Fisher photography. Yep. Good news. Any stressful events this week at all? <laughs> uh, here and there. Here and there, bro. Every day. Every day. Some sort nah, of stress. I don't, feel, I don't feel stress, really. I have to be, I have to be pretty pretty tacked out to feel stress yeah but no got our taxes done that's always fun oh yeah for the business and yeah and uh yeah speaking we were me and bro were talking the other day about taxes and i was telling him that none of my retired buddies ever told me about once you get out of the military how much different the taxes are because they tax your entire civilian income whereas in the military so sorry (laughs) there's there's a certain portion of your income that isn't taxed so i was like i wasn't really prepared for that you know why they didn't tell you because they wanted me to be surprised just like them. Yep. <laughs> I told them. So Blake, I'm giving you a warning, man. Blake, uh, Seba- uh, Sebastian, he's already, uh, he's already on the civilian side, you know, living that, living that good civilian life with that Afro and beard. It's all one now. <laughs> it's just one connected yeah. mass of hair. I think he just shaved last week and it started growing back out. <laughs> it's like instant. He's like one of those people that like they have to shave like 
every at noon, every 30 like minutes. in basic training, he was probably shaving at lunchtime. <laughs> so the reason I asked these two about stress is that bro had told me about a documentary that he watched, um, about a month or so ago. And it's called one nation under stress. Yep. And it's just talking about the impact of stress on specifically American society. And the host of the show is Dr. Sanjay Gutta. He's the um, medical director for CNN. So you've probably, if you don't know who he is, you've probably seen him on television or commercials. He's like their de facto doctor. <clears throat> I think he's got a couple talk shows and maybe even a podcast. But when bro told me about this documentary, um, just the, some of the things he was telling me about it from what he remembered to the first time he watched it was a uh, pretty uh, disturbing. Mm -hmm. some of the things you talked about. So you want to tell our listeners a little bit just about the documentary itself, and then we'll go into a little bit of a deep dive. Yeah. So one nation under stress, it's, um, I love documentaries, but I seen this one advertising. I think it was HBO. It was on HBO. Yeah, HBO. And, um, one of the, the headlines that caught me in the preview leading up to it was for the first time in, I think a hundred years, our average age of life as a uh, population is decreasing and not increasing. Yeah. The life expectancy is going yeah. down for the first time, I think in 17 years, they said, I think it's a hundred. Okay. I think it's a hundred years. And, um, that's pretty alarming. You know, you have people that are more people are dying between 35 and 60 than ever before. And it seems like the, the age of stress is, is happening between that, you know, 35 to 60. And it makes sense. You know, you, you know how much stress in high school that's equivalent. I mean, you have some, and then you go to school and then, you know, you start your career and then, you know, you can have hard, hard parts in your life, mm -hmm. which in we your, all do. Have 30s, some hard times, yeah. Thirties. Yeah, and obviously she get older, you get your midlife crisis, you know, your, your you know, family or passing away and things like that, that you're close to uh, if they're still alive and everything still kind of adds up. But we're just talking about how now society is just really, I don't know, we're killing ourselves. So one of the things that, that again, kind of like triggered, not triggered me, but for lack of a better phrase, but when bro was talking about this documentary and trying to, I mean, I was going to watch it after he told me about it, but he mentioned that they categorized um, this increase of in mortality and they associate they, the name they gave it was uh, deaths of despair. Right. Which included three. Yeah. yeah suicide, alcoholism and uh, drug abuse. Mm -hmm. So deaths of despair, just that name in itself is pretty like, yeah. you know, yeah. for someone to be, you know, when you, when you think of the term despair, that's like usually not a good spot. No. And, but you may not, it may not be that alarming. It's, uh, it's, because you haven't heard a lot about it yet. Mm -hmm. You know, we just look at having, you know, I think people use, I'm having a stressful day, like use it really loosely. Are you really feeling the effects of stress where mm -hmm. it's keeping you up? It's, you know, it, it's affecting your eating habits, eating or, habit, yeah. your, your, your heart rate, your, your anxiety, mm -hmm. like, um, and I think also, I think that also people with anxiety also, aren't maybe really suffering from anxiety. Maybe they feel stressed, anxious. Yeah. And yeah, stressed. You know yeah. I mean? So I think there's different levels of stress and anxiety. Yeah. That yeah. And the reason why we want to talk about this was because one of the things that the three of us advocate as a mechanism to relief and reduce our stress mm -hmm. is, is fitness. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we, that's how we express ourselves physically, but in the process of that, you know, there's those health benefits to it. Well, yeah. I mean, we've talked about you come in, you have the worst day going on and you know, you, you get a text or someone that you you're close with at the gym, make sure that you see if you're coming today or whatever, and mm-hmm. you really don't want to, but you do because of them. And then you end up feeling better uh, when you leave typically. Jenna, you, have you ever, at what point did you realize that exercise and fitness was helpful for you? I mean, I've always been an athlete, so. Soccer player. Yeah. And then when I stopped. Is she athlete or soccer player? Okay. There's, soccer player. Well, there's, there's definitely two different things, you know. Whatever. We call them long fairies. <laughs> I've never heard that yeah, phrase before. That's what our baseball Well, I was like more them. of a guy playing soccer because guys aren't as good at soccer. So anyways, um, yeah, when I stopped being, doing any type of fitness for a couple of years, I definitely noticed a difference. So I guess I noticed more not doing anything rather than doing something. Okay. So you, there was, there was a marketable difference in how you felt yeah. and behaved when you didn't exercise versus yeah. The benefit of exercise. Yep. Okay. But enough for you to be cognizant of it. Yeah. Yep. For sure. There's a, um, article from the Mayo clinic and it's called get moving to manage stress. One of the things they talk about is the benefits associated with exercise as a source of stress relief, which I think everybody can attest to you. Like bro said, you have a bad day at work. So basically we're doctors. Um, <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm just saying, though. We were saying this before we even looked it up. So basically we are. So some of the benefits to exercise, it pumps up your endorphins, it's medication in motion, and it improves your mood. So talking about the pumps up your endorphins, where it speaks a little Is bit here. Is this before or after they do double Fran? Ugh, fat Fran. The hefty Fran. Dirty Fran. All the Frans, Yeah. Fran, I'm, I'm usually questioning life choices in the middle of it. So there's not a lot of uh, endorphins left to expend at that point. <laughs> so it says physical activity helps burn up the production of your brain's feel good neurotransmitters called endorphins. Although this function is often referred to as a runner's high, a rousing game of tennis or a nature high can also contribute to the same feeling. Now, I've heard of this runner's high, but I don't want to have to run far enough to ever experience it. Yeah, I that's why I do CrossFit. No, I get it after 100 meters. <laughs> why would you want to run that far? Well, I don't. I have to run further. But if we're running at 400, I feel it after the 100. After the next 300 meters, I, I just really I'm done running. That's not a high. That's just being tired. Yeah, I think that's more hypoxia, like not having enough oxygen in my yeah. brain. High hypoxia, same shit. <laughs> Along the same lines. The next piece is saying it's a meditation in motion after a fast paced game of racquetball or that sounds so stupid. I'm sorry. Fast paced game of racquetball. No meditation or uh, meditation in motion. Yeah. That's just, they got to come up with something better. (laughs) It rhymed. That's exactly why they probably have it after a fast paced game of racquetball or several laps in the pool. You'll often find that you've forgotten the day's irritants and concentrated only on your body's movements. So Maybe a better way to describe that is like when you start working out and you just sort of get dialed in, like everything just sort of you black out. Yeah, nothing, you, you, well, nothing yeah, else matters. Kind of like that fit. Yeah, that fitness blackout. I guess for lack of a better term, where you're just like you know. Oh, I really do blackout. <laughs> I'm sure, like uh, as we related to baseball, 
like sometimes you just get so focused in like in the, and you you pick up the ball as soon as it comes out of the pitcher's hand, it just looks big, you know, and you're just crushing it. My, I've never seen a big ball, <laughs> but you can definitely see it. You can see the, like the laces. On you the can ball, see the laces. Right? Yeah. yeah. Just stuff like that. You're just yeah. having a really good day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Jenna, I'm sure with soccer, like if I'm seeing big balls in my face, Mo, I'm crushing. It's going to be a bad day where I'm at. And what am I doing? If I see big balls coming at my face, playing dodgeball. Oh, what about, um, I mean, you're a competitive athlete. Have you ever experienced Jenna, those types of situations where things just kind of like slow down? Yeah. I normally just stop to think, stop thinking though. And then that yeah. happens. So you stop, like you're talking about the irritants of the day, you stop thinking about everything else and you focus on that moment and everything just sort of comes into place. Yeah. I either like sing or I just close my eyeballs. You sing like while you're working out? Not like, <laughs> not like that, but like, like sing in my head. Like I listen to the song. Like a lot of people are like, I have no idea what songs even playing, but I do. Oh, so like every time the song that's Percocet playing. comes on, I want to shoot myself. <laughs> but <laughs> no, yeah, I like I really I haven't do. I have played that song for you in a while. Ugh, it's the worst. Who really makes money off of that? Oh, somebody did. I know. And, and it, when it wasn't us, he... unfortunately. So the lastly, it said it improves your mood. Regular exercise can increase self-confidence. It can relax you and can lower the symptoms associated with mild depression and anxiety. Um, yeah, if I'm having a bad day and I go work out, that's usually the end of that bad day. I think where people struggle, though, is... Ma- getting yourself to actually work out. Yeah. I think there's a certain point where it's just like, it's like a, you got a 50, 50 shot. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like landing on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> you gonna make it? Are you gonna, or are you going to come back for a route for another loop? Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, I think that's, it, it's good once you start, but getting, I think it's almost like we talk, you know, starting CrossFit's the hardest thing to do, but once you get into it, you love it. Mm-hmm. I think same way with that, you know, it's, can you push enough out of the way to get your ass here and, and get moving and make it through the, the warm up and then get into it where you'll forget about it or not. But I think, you know, like we mentioned earlier, I think it was before we started recording where it's real easy to just say, yo, I'm having a bad day. And then you bury yourself in that bad day mm-hmm. or you're, or you're busy at work and you're just like, oh, well, I'm not going to go to work today because I'm too, or I'm sorry, I'm not going to go to the gym today because I'm too busy. Yeah. And then you start cutting out whatever your normal routines are. You know, you don't go and have a decent cooked meal. You go and buy something at a drive-through, you know, that's probably questionable at best. And then you stay up too late because you're still worried about your busy day and and how stressful you were. And you kind of, that hole gets wider and wider. And then you wake up the next day and now what happens? You're tired and your routine's out of whack. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm notorious for that, man. Like my only, like, Usually my biggest time I can get any type of stress relief is at night. And that's why I play Xbox tremendously still. And, um, but you're right. It does screw up my next day. If I just, if I stay up too late, mm-hmm. now I'm sleeping later. And now my breakfast is later. And now my whole day, I've, I've really kind of wasted about two and a half, three hours extra of getting some stuff done that I could all because I was up too late trying to, just close my brain. Well, why do you guys think we get so fixated on the negative things? Like, why do we get so fixated on being stressed out or being busy or whatever? Why is it so easy for people to do that versus just stick to your routine? Well, I think we are sticking to our routine, but then people will derail you. It's sort of like, 
No, but I'm saying like you, you get, oh, I'm so busy or, oh, I'm so stressed or I'm so X, Y, or Z. You know, why can't we just, why can't we just keep our brains on that same path and just say, well, okay, I'm busy, I'm stressed, but I'm still going to go to the gym at 4.30. The fucking chemicals in our head, man. <laughs> like, you can't control, you know what I mean? You can't, what do you do? You can't control that. I think it's, you know, we have people have chemical imbalances and um, that causes them to do things that are out of the ordinary. It's mm. just, I don't know. It's you know, part of our brains, the mm. emotional side. Like, it's just, we, we do tend to fixate on the, on the negative. I think yeah. a lot of it is social media though. As far as? Just like, I mean, I think like we've talked about it in past episodes about people comparing themselves. And I think just in general, I think people do that because it's a highlight reel of everybody's like good days or cool things happening. Mm -hmm. And actually I got my hair done um, a couple weeks ago, maybe like three weeks ago before I left for Colorado. And the lady that cuts my hair was like, I haven't seen you post anything cool in a while. Like what have you been doing? <laughs> Cause I normally I would post fun stuff or mm -hmm. like cool places that I've been. And I was like, you know what? Like I felt that way too. Just like, I feel like I haven't done anything cool enough to post. That's or worthy of posting. That's, yeah. That's worthy of posting, like going to cool coffee shops or whatever. Cause that's normally something that I like to do or restaurants, I guess. But, um, I don't know. You just, I feel like people compare a lot in general, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's people vacationing, hanging out with people. And then that makes you feel alone. Um, like you're not on that level. Yeah. I don't, or you're not accomplishing or whatever. Yeah. I think, I think it's like that. I mean, not just CrossFit in general, which you know that happens too, but just daily life events. If you're at home on Christmas by yourself, but everybody else is out with family. Like, and, and you know what I mean? That just that kind of stuff. That, that, that sensation of missing out. Yeah. And you don't, you feel lonely. I think a lot of times social media does make you feel a little bit lonely. It makes the world big, but it can make an individual feel small. Yeah. I think at times. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such a big part of our lives that it's almost impossible not to focus on it. Hmm. Interesting going back to something that bro said about the chemicals and it's like, um, part of who we are, part of human nature, primal uh, nature. Yeah. Primal nature. And one of the things they talked about in the documentary is that stress is a primal response with, uh, it's taken thousands of years for us to develop this behavior within our biology. So it's like encoded in us, but we stress about things differently today than we did say a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. So Going back to one thing that Aaron Gennetti said on one of our earlier episodes, life was different a hundred years ago because if you didn't know how to hunt for your own food, you know, or patch a wound or, you know, how to navigate through the snow, you'd probably die. Yeah. You wouldn't live as long. And you wouldn't live nearly as long. Right. So you had to, um, you had to learn to adapt and overcome. But with that also, you know, talk, going back to the caveman era, if you're getting chased by a lion, you need to have that stress response, yeah. you know, where the blood flow increases to your large muscle group. So you can run away. Your heart rate increases, you know, just because that's that, that fight or fight response mm -hmm. that you hear people refer to. But going back to Jenna's point with the social media aspect, something they talked about in the video was like, people are stressing about our, our bodies stress the same way, but humans are stressing about the wrong things. So getting, uh, getting eaten by a lion versus not getting a hundred likes on your Instagram post may cause some people to stress. 
Well, they were making the comparison. Stress is good when you're being chased by a lion. Mm -hmm. They're comparing it to an antelope. But once the antelope gets away, it's no longer stressed. Things go back to normal. Yes. Whereas society, now they get stressed, but they're at a constant state of stress. The constant state of stress is what brings you down and takes you to these depressed levels, these, these levels where you feel like you just don't want to go out and do anything. And, um, you just want to shut the world off. So sometimes it can snowball where, you know, something bad happens and it kind of brings you down, but then something else bad happens, but really it's not that big of a deal, but it is because you're already in it. Cause now you're already you're stressed. Like, yeah. You're, you've been stressed. It's just, you think about it, if you, you, you look at like shooting, right? So if you test yourself under stress, you typically won't perform as well as not being under stress, mm -hmm. right? So you train under stress, but still it's only for a brief period of time. But mm -hmm. the longer and harder your stress, the, the more uh, likely you're going to underperform. Because your body can only stay right. under that state a, for so a, long. If I'm yeah. in a stressed element, let's say I got a, a stress shoot and I'm, I'm doing something prior to that's three minutes of so, some sort of uh, exercise. Max, exercise max effort. So adrenaline's going, heart rate's 120, um, breathing's heavy, and I got to perform a task, okay? Mm -hmm. Take that score. I promise, you, I promise you, if you double and triple that stress length to nine, six and nine minutes, mm -hmm. six minutes would be worse, nine minutes would be even worse than the whatever because you have prolonged stress. So e even in that short domain of time where Brody's talking three, six, nine minutes, yeah. your performance is going to decrease versus when you're just a normal rested state shooting at stationary targets. Mm -hmm. So taking that and running away from that lion for three minutes versus being stressed out about not getting enough likes for the course of an entire day. day right. Um, your body doesn't understand that that stress is not a life and death stress. That is just something that you've allowed your body to become stressed about, mm -hmm. but your body responds the same way. Like I said, heart rate increases, blood flow increases, but as those blood vessels are dilated for longer periods of time, you start to get sclerotic changes in the vessels where the walls become thicker and there's, there's scarring that takes place, mm -hmm. which makes, makes your, your blood flow less efficient. Right. Blood pressure increases yep. because. And then not, it can, and then it can open up your body to other potential medical Which is why risks. You know, they have, you know, heart attacks due to stress. It's mm -hmm. because of what you just said, the, the scarring of the inside of the arteries and such. Mm -hmm. Which it was really crazy to think about that. Like you hear about people having heart attacks and, you know, in their early forties and thirties. And I'm just like, man, you know, healthy people. Yeah. So yeah. Quote healthy people. But then you're like, man, why were they, mm -hmm. how come their body did this to themselves? But you know, when they were explaining, like if you're under that constant, state. that constant state of stress, yeah, eventually the mileage is going to catch up. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think we did a, we did a stress shoot. We did a shooting competition as a can, gym last year. Can we back up for a second yeah. and explain what a stress shoot yeah. is? Yeah. Like the whole concept. Yep. Okay. So, uh, last year we did a shooting competition. We did a stress shoot and what a stress shoot is, um, I'll give you an example. This is one of the ones that we did. It was, we had a task to perform, which required us. We had to shoot numerical targets. There are circles one mm -hmm. through six. So one shot in one, two and two, three and three, four and four, five and five and six and six. Okay. So we performed this with zero stress. Okay. Meaning and you just walk up cold. Walk Walk up cold, you have, okay. and you have seven rounds in each one of your magazines. 
So there's 21 total shots. Mm-hmm. Okay. That means you, if you drop a shot or whatever, you, you just, you, you, you get a penalty. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's two mag changes within this because you have three mags, they're each seven shots. Right. Mm-hmm. So this adds to the complexity of what's about to happen under zero stress, meaning walking up three, two, one, the timer goes off, mm-hmm. you know, one and one, two and two and three and three. Well, the problem is these reloads come in the middle of a number. Okay. So when I'm in four, I have to keep track of okay. the number that I'm at. So not only do you have to move from one target to another, With you have to remember how many bullets, bullets you fired you sh- at each target. And then, and then you, you have, have to change to, a you magazine. You have to, you have to change a magazine okay. and then you have to follow up to that number. Say I put my fourth one in four, then I'm in five. Mm-hmm. And you put one in six, we got to do another in ma- magazine you know I mean? change. Yeah. For example, and those numbers are slightly out, but that's what, the, that's what you had to do. And you would shoot this and say, 10 seconds. I don't know. It's like, I can't remember off the top of my head what we were mm-hmm. shooting it in. And it's with pistol. But would you say that's uh, for shooting at targets? Is that quote simple? Um, no. Okay. It's not simple in the fact of they're in separate locations. They're not in like any type of order. Mm-hmm. So you have to find them. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're different colors and um, it's the size of the targets about the size of a softball. Mm-hmm. So it's not that and you're shooting at seven yards, which isn't that far. So this isn't, this is an easy, this is not an easy thing to do when you're rested. Quickly. Quick. Okay. Quickly. quickly. Yeah. Right. It's easy to do if you're not, if there's know, no time the, constraints, the timer adds stress, <laughs> right? The timer already adds stress yeah. because you're trying to perform at a faster, mm-hmm. uh, uh, faster time. Okay. Yeah. So what we did was we ran this drill, no stress, like we just talked and we ran it three consecutive ones. You had a small rest in between. Mm-hmm. The first stress was, 10 cal assault bike, um, a 50 meter run to the target mm-hmm. and then engage the target. And they started the clock as soon they started the stopwatch as soon as you got to the target. Okay. Right. So our range officers would do that. Second test was, um, 20 or 15 calories. And then the third test was 25 calories on the bike. Mm-hmm. So we, the put, amount of stress is increasing. increasing. For the heart rates, you know, where, you know, 25 cal max effort bike mm-hmm. running, performing the task. Well, these, ta- what was going on with these tasks was people were forgetting the shot count. They're putting the wrong shots in the uh, wrong mm-hmm. numbers. There are reloads. They're fumbling their magazines. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I even ejected around like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I like, so basically what that means, he wasted a bullet, wasted a bullet where I had to have that because yeah. you only have the, you only get the 21. Amount. Right. Yeah. But under zero stress, I performed it flawlessly mm-hmm. and quickly. And then each one of these stresses added time and misses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause if you put it in the wrong area, it's a miss because mm-hmm. you, you messed up. So you complex this with adding an extreme heart rate going against someone else. Cause you're racing. Mm-hmm going to get a timer and you're coming off the assault bike, you know? So you already, you're already taking a somewhat challenging task to do quickly. Yeah. To do quickly and efficiently adding physical stress, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in larger increments of stress. Yeah. And the performance dropped off dramatically, dramatically with each amount of stress that was added. And then you found yourself, well, we're going to talk about this monkey, but we found yourself when you did mess up, I, when I threw that, when I ejected the round, okay, then I instantly got pissed and mm-hmm. I, I stopped like for a second. Mm-hmm. 
And then you got to like, fuck, you can't, <laughs> you can't, yeah, the clock's still running. Yeah. Cause you can't stop. But yeah. you're, you're now thinking about the one thing you just did that you shouldn't have done. And you're still <laughs> supposed to be going, but you normally would never thought about it. You just seamlessly went into the next shot and just take you it. You're like, oh crap. Whatever. Okay. Right. But M- now, minus one. Yeah. But now you're, since you're stressed and under the clock and you're performing bad and you just did something you shouldn't do, mm-hmm. you're pissed about the most minor thing, which is a one second penalty mm-hmm. or half a second penalty off of one round that you just ejected. And you just wasted two seconds thinking, thinking about, about it. it. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Interesting. Under stress, you, you start performing these different things and your, your actual mentality changes. So when mm-hmm. you see these people are involved in, you know, my biggest thing is we're going down to this different rabbit hole, but people who have their concealed carry, I'm a huge advocate of, um, it's good to have it, but it's, it's bad to have it and not be trained in that practice. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying that in practice, it's, shooting like a paper target just you know trying to you know stack rounds in in the same hole Mm -hmm. that's cool but you you take that same person and you add a just a um a a timer a Mm -hmm. beeper to them some stressful element they know they're under the clock and they're under time Mm -hmm. their their accuracy already diminishes not including they don't practice drawing from the concealed Mm -hmm. they don't practice how when and when to draw from concealed and how to present it and how to get first round on target Mm -hmm. you know all these things are just kind of going going into it well people who carry they're not used to doing stressful things so if they're ever in a stressful situation they can all they're going to most likely highly underperform with it where it is I, that's why I don't like safeties. If you have a manual safety, that's on, one on more thing you have to think about and you don't carry one in the chamber because you think it's going to go off. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're at a huge detriment. You got to go unsafe chamber around, could have round on target and you got to get that under four seconds. As someone is advancing on you. And it has to count. Yeah. Right. So, so, so bro mentioned a little bit, a little part about a monkey. So in the video, they showed just a real, simple social experiment there. I don't remember what kind of monkeys they were, but there were two monkeys and they were in a laboratory and they were in cages next to each other. And they were plexiglass see-through. Go, yeah. The monkeys could see each other and it, and like a part of the cage is open. And the reason why I, I mentioned that part specifically is because smell is, I think going to be a factor in this one, smell and also visualization. Right. So the monkeys, every time they gave them a rock, right. They gave mm-hmm. them a pebble or something, they put a rock inside the cage, put a rock inside the cage. The monkey would hand it back to the scientist or whatever in the little hole. And then the scientist gave him a piece of cucumber, you know, monkey stone, cucumber, monkey stone, cucumber, just repeat. Kept getting rewarded. rewarded. There was a monkey in the cage next to the first monkey. And they did that 10 times. They said they did that 10 times. And then on the 11th time, the second monkey did the same thing. Stone trainer or stone scientist. And the scientist gave the other monkey a grape. So then the other, the first monkey's like, all right, cool. We're getting grapes now. Mm-hmm. Scientist goes back to the first monkey, stone, scientist, cucumber. Monkey looks at the cucumber and is like, wait a minute. Why'd I get a cucumber? The other dude got a grape. Mm-hmm. And he reaches his hand out and he throws the cucumber got at the scientist. scientist yeah. So then scientist goes back to monkey number two, stone, scientist, grape. So second monkey, first monkey's like, all right, cool. I'm going to get a grape again. Mm-hmm. Or this time, same thing gives him the cucumber. And then the monkey gets visibly upset, grabs a cage, grabs a cage and starts shaking it. Yeah. And so do you remember what they said about that part? It was just, it was like primal instinct of, uh, is a, it was a, it was an utter complete rage mm-hmm. of primal rage of what this monkey did. 
and only because he's seen that one monkey was he was performing the same task, mm-hmm. but the monkey was getting rewarded. A different reward. What he wanted. Mm-hmm. And not only did he throw the cucumber both times at the actual scientist yeah, and it hit him and yeah. hit him with it. He shook the cage like out of rage because yeah. of this. And this is the perceived disparity yes. between the two for the same behavior. And, but when they get the same thing over a 10 time period, they have no problem. No big deal. They, they, no big deal. Keep getting, they'll keep giving them the damn rock. Mm-hmm. No, not pissed at all. But when they see that someone has got something that they want that they can't get, mm-hmm. that was the reaction. And I totally agree with that. That's society. You can tie that to social media. Yeah. We just talked about that. Or not even social media, but you look at the workplace when you perceive that someone is carrying the same workload as you, but their reward system is different. I mean, what that, that can create a lot of tension and animosity within the workplace. Mm-hmm. So Jenna, you've had jobs prior to your photography place. And we talked about you, you had your, your stint at Timmy Ho's. Mm, yeah. So did you ever witness where people had a perception that someone was being treated better or rewarded better than another person? Or even you can take it back to high school. You have those perceptions or even, you know, hell we can say in the gym. Yeah. I mean, it always sucks when you're doing more work and then, uh, someone's not, but they get rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't think I've ever really had that working. By you, bro. No, I've not had, I've not ran into that. I mean, but maybe because I don't know, I'm pretty opinionated. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't see, you know, sometimes people do this. They treat people differently because they know it affects someone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, if they know it's going to get to you, they're going to do it. <laughs> so someone just being an asshole. Yeah, for okay. sure. Absolutely. If they know that they can get at you and, and, uh, mentally, you know, throw you for a loop, they're going to perform a certain task that they know is going to get you because that's how people are sometimes wired. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's protecting me or if it's just never happened to me. I don't know. I think for me, personal experience, especially being a young airman, you know, you, you know, within, you know, certain tasks, you know, realms, everybody's, you know, perceivedly doing the same thing, you know, for my particular line of work, you know, we, we perform certain tasks, everybody performs, you know, a certain number but then there were times where it just seems like one or two particular individuals were doing less work, but being favored. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in the military, it's almost like a tribal mentality. And when you upset the tribe like that by favoring one or two other people, right. That has a huge impact on unit cohesion or the team dynamic. Um, and I, I think, think sometimes you go ahead. I think high school sports is a lot like that. No, that, that's think. what I was about to go. Sometimes <laughs> you see it in sports. Yeah. I mean, we felt like that when I played high school soccer. And I think uh, sometimes you have that situation where it's like, you know, just to use an example, like the coach's kid, Yeah, you know, he gets the newest Jersey and you know, he gets to start but that um, perception where one particular kid on the team is getting treated better than the rest of them, or he's been giving opportunity. He or she has been given opportunities that other people haven't had that have worked quote harder. That was actually, you know, it's funny to bring it up high school. I happened to my uh, junior year in baseball. I was, uh, it was an end of year, uh, awards. Mm-hmm. And, um, instead of getting all American, which is the best, it's pretty much as good and, as you can for get my, for my position yeah. in the outfield. 
um, I was passed up. I was a junior. I was passed up by a senior. And the thing is when I got honorable mention and so it's basically being the first loser. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so instead of making the first team all American thing, I get honorable mention. But then what sucks though, is that when you're part of this, they send you, uh, what your stats are and it's everybody stacked together mm-hmm. and you clearly average higher, more put outs, no errors. There's definitive data. Yeah. But then you look junior, senior, uh-huh. they give it to this kid cause it was his senior year and I was a junior. But when, it, when you put the numbers side by side, you're higher. The numbers don't lie. Yeah. yeah from, you know, put outs to having zero errors in an entire mm-hmm. season as an outfielder, things like that. It, it's, it kind of sucks. Well, having zero errors, if you're not a baseball player, that's pretty significant. Tyrol Mo. <laughs> but also having put outs as an outfielder is huge. Like that's not that's not very easy. That means when if someone's running, you're throwing them out. Yeah. From like, the outfield. From the outfield, which to have a lot of put outs is pretty, pretty impressive. Pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. So the documentary went on to talk about um why are these people in these health conditions, these health situations? And one of the parts parts that they brought up was economics and they talked about one city in particular where there was a, I think it was a steel plant Mm -hmm. and essentially almost it appears out of nowhere, the steel plant shut down. Right. Um, Lots of people who were making good money lost their jobs and it really decimated the city. Well, it was a small community Mm -hmm. and basically everybody worked at the steel plant. Everybody in that city worked at the steel plant. Yes. And that from their, and, they all went to school there and mm-hmm. actually the school, I believe, ended up closing mm-hmm. because of this. I can't remember. Because the city imploded, essentially. Yes. Yep. And because people were moving out because they had they no couldn't job. afford to live yep. there because right. there were no jobs. Right. So then uh, there was a doctor there that was volunteering his time to take care of people that couldn't afford health care. And it was unsettling to hear these some of these conversations that these people were having. Like he was uh uh, visiting or he was assessing one patient, you know, the patient I think had diabetes or high blood pressure or something. And to hear, have to hear that individual say that, well, I know this is what's wrong with me, but right now I can't afford the medication because mm-hmm. I have to put gas in my car to go to work. You know, that was like kind of heart wrenching to hear that this person wants to get better and help their self, uh, medically, but they're not in a position where they have to, it's either or it's either gas or medication, you know? Yeah. And that, that sucks. I mean, economics like that suck, but you know, I, I thought I was just talking about this with someone, something that always chaps my ass is when people try to say that they're not successful, um, or they base their success based off of, they didn't have a good upbringing, meaning, uh, they didn't have their family didn't have money growing up and they didn't have like the best school system. They didn't have this, they didn't have that. So therefore it's harder for them to be successful than someone that grows up than his, your parents are, they have money. You go to a better school, this, this, and that people always try to push that off that they can't have success or they say that they can't be successful because of how they were brought up. Cause they didn't have certain opportunities. Well, and I call bullshit on that. Like it's, you know, my parents didn't have money growing up. Mm-hmm. They were broke. My, they, but you know, you have a choice. You have a choice to either, do something with your life or not. My dad worked in a factory for pretty much his whole 
he was young. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was probably in his thirties. He's still working at, uh, in his factory and then up being, becoming an electronical engineer. And, um, but he had to want that. Mm-hmm. And then my mom, she was waiting tables. She was, working. didn't you say your mom, uh, uh, never didn't even finish high school, right? No, she yeah. had to get a GED. Yeah. And, um, she, you know, she, she had a pretty rough childhood where she ran away at a very young age and had a horrible horror. I mean, you want to talk about a bad home life. Like literally it's a book. Mm-hmm. It literally is a book and how bad it was. And, and, uh, had no family still, still has no family. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, she was a bartender and a waitress for a long time and mm-hmm. decided she was just done with this that. isn't what she wanted to do. Yeah. And went to real estate school and then just murdered. She came <laughs> on scene, dude, and crushed it like it. And she's still, she's still, she's still crushing it at her age, you know, 27 years later, but still uses an answering machine. Yeah. <laughs> She just got her first iPhone. <laughs> she did. Yeah. And you know, but that's just the thing. I think people often in society, you know that, yeah, it sucks if your plant shuts down, but you can either, you can sit there and just let it crush you. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you can go do something else. And it's, I think that's the thing is like, sometimes people, people feel like they can't do anything mm-hmm. without trying. And, but also with that, you know, I think there's stress associated. Okay. So your plant shuts down. Yeah. And you have to go to where the jobs are, but some people like stress and like shudder even at the thought of leaving their hometown because mm-hmm. that's all they've known. Um, I never grew up with an opportunity like that because I was moving like every four to six right. years as a kid, my entire life. And even as an adult. So for me to move is, is no big deal. Um, but you know, I've, you know, even like in the military, when I first came in, I met people that had never left their state, let alone flown on an airplane. And, you know, they were just stressed out about that within itself, not, not, not in, in addition to the stress of basic military training, you know, so I can see why some of those people chose to stay there. Cause one, maybe they're just trying to tough it out, or maybe they were just scared to leave, you know, f- familial ties, whatever, or just fear of the unknown. You know, and how many times, you know, within our lives, have we been scared about something we didn't know about just because it was different? Yeah. I mean, it's. You know, I, you can relate this to a CrossFit business. You know, I see gyms that fail. You know, we talk about passion and things like that, but <laughs> passion will only get you so far. Yeah, yeah, passion only gets you so far. But you know, when they there's also the stressors of, holy crap! I I own a business now. Not only that, but like <laughs> if I if I don't do this right, we're not going to eat. <laughs> or I take it even further. Like the gym closes, then you you're basically you're you're fucking 70, 80, 100. Oh, like if you were to shut down now? Yeah. yeah that, that's, you know I mean, you're, you're, it's that's a hundred lives, hundred, hundred lives you're impacting. It's just not even, it's not about you anymore. Mm-hmm. You talk about a burden and it's, it's, I don't know. Sometimes people will get crushed by burdens, but that's just the reality. It's either you can accept it and be like, you better have your P's and Q's on point mm-hmm. and always trying to be, you know, support the people here and trying to do things right. Um, cause if you don't, it's not just you, That's impacted. Yeah, your livelihoods messed up, but you're ripping them and ripping something away from them that they cherish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I take that's part of their quote day, yeah. you know, like you said, they, to come in here yeah. and de-stress. Yeah. So we're an outlet for this gym's outlet for people like that. And it might be their only yeah. outlet, you know, and I've had some good conversation with people where it's definitely helped them 
mentally. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause this is maybe sometimes for people, this is the only place where shit is normal. Yeah. And that's messed up. Cause we do some, <laughs> cause we do shit. some crazy shit. <laughs> we do some abnormal shit, but no. And that's, I guess it's kind of funny how it all just kind of came full circle as in the burden of making sure everything is done right. And, and always trying to keep this business going. And like, there's been some really tough freaking times. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you told me you have your, you have your comfortable number yeah, and your oh shit number. Yeah. And I've been at the oh shit number a couple of <laughs> times in five years, you know, it's like, <laughs> where are we going to get the money yeah. to pay for the bills? Like it's, yeah. it's been like that a couple of times, but some people check out there and they can't handle the stress. And then, cause that's scary. Right? It can be scary. I mean, yeah, it can be. I mean, I, I, I don't get, I like, but some people will take that ostrich mentality. Like, Oh shit. You know, <laughs> You know, it's, it's on a quarter tank. I just pull it over to the side and buy a new one, you know? Right. And I, I forget who I was talking <laughs> well, to. Actually, I, I take that back because I have seen that happen before when I was in the Middle East. Like people would just, the car would run out of gas and they would just leave it. <laughs> Makes sense. He's always fire a white sedan. Oh, oh yeah. A white Mercedes Benz. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was telling someone the other day, like, I forget who it was, but it's like, I want I want to be painted into a corner with my back against the wall. Fight your way out. And it's something that I don't know if that's why I take on so much sometimes. Cause I, I love that feeling. I love being overwhelmed. I sometimes when I don't feel that way, then I feel like maybe I'm not doing anything. Well, that's probably part of your normal, which is messed up Mo. But that's your normal though. Yeah. But that's still, it, I mean, there's some people that might not be able to handle that. Like my wife looks at me all the time. She's like, how can you be involved with all this stuff? I was like, I, it's just normal for me. Yeah. You know, being in the military, as long as I was, there was, I can only recall one time in my entire military career where I only had one job. You know, and it was weird, but we only have one job here, (laughs) but I wrapped myself so immensely in around that job, um, that I created more work for myself because it just wasn't, yeah, it was just abnormal for me to just come and make donuts and leave. You know, I just couldn't do that. You got to eat them too. Yeah. Well, especially the bad ones. <laughs> Jenna. Yes. Share your feelings with the group. <laughs> what kind of feelings? Uh, so just like, especially with that last piece about, you know, the, the feeling of, of being overwhelmed. I mean, I don't like to be overwhelmed. Yeah. At but, all. but you and I, you know, have challenges with anxiety. So we, we, we get that way sometimes. You know, and for me personally, um, usually when I start to get to that point is when my ass hasn't been in the gym. You know, there, I, I can, I can probably go on a calendar and look at my attendance and correlate that to how I felt during a particular time with my number of visits to the gym. You know, there's even times where I can just go downstairs and work out, you know, in my garage, but I would argue that it's not quite the same. Yeah. Cause you're still by yourself with your own thoughts. Yeah. No one's distracting you. Correct. And that was another thing that they talked about is the familial ties. Um, with the Mexican. Remember what we were talking about the Mexican families. They were talking about how. Okay. The, yeah. The Italian Mexican, like kind of those families, mm-hmm. how they tend to, I can't remember what the phrase they use, but there's a, like a it's phenomenon something or something. Yeah. It's something familiar. Yeah. And it was actually has its, uh, an actual term mm-hmm. and that uh, Mexicans now have a long life longer life expectancy than African-American and white American, mm-hmm. uh, combined because, um, 
there's a, they feel that there's a direct correlation to people's ability to recover from stress. Uh, cause they spend a lot of time with their family, with their and families. Yep. And, um, they were stating that people that have better, uh, networks and circles of people that they physically go and visit, um, recover from stress better because mm-hmm. they have a support system to help them get through that stress. And then they did this study, I think it was in the forties of, an, uh, as a village or city in Pennsylvania. Yes. With the Italians. Yeah. yeah, With mainly Italian population that they had all kind of migrated to Philly from a particular part in Italy. Right. And this city in particular had the lowest number of heart attacks across the entire country. Yeah. And they eat like garbage. (laughs) They're Italians. (laughs) Italians. They're all Italians. It's yeah. So lots of carbs. Yeah. yeah, So yeah, the carbs, the fats. Yeah. I mean, just, they eat horribly, but they also, every single week, they always got together as families yeah. and, and, they, and, and they ate and together, ate together, went to church and, together. Well, yes. Yeah. And there, that's, that's what they attributed it to is that it helps de almost detox your body mm-hmm. of the, the stress because you get to, you're out and you're talking to other people mm-hmm. that you're close with and having a good time laughing. We already know laughing can reduce stress, mm-hmm. uh, re- releases endorphins as well. This freaking mosquito. I'm about to cry. I'm a bitch slap myself. But yeah, I think it's pretty cool to see that. But we totally just cut Jen off. Oh, you're good. No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you want me to say. But going back to like, you know, you and I, we both have challenges with the anxiety. And like I said, I directly correlated. I can probably go back on a calendar and look and see, well, I was stressed out during these times. And this is how many times I went to the gym that week. Yeah, I go through periods of time of having more anxiety than not. But my anxiety is different. Like, I know Brody said earlier, some people think that they have anxiety, but it's really just stress. And Mm -hmm. I agree with that to an extent because I think there's more people who have like quote unquote anxiety, but it's like normal anxiety where you're just like, you're going to present something and you get Mm -hmm. nervous that kind. Um, I've always had like panic attack disorder, so I didn't drive for like two years. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't do pretty much anything just because a lot of social yeah stuff, and you know. then um I left a pretty hard situation and then I didn't have anxiety for about a year and then one day it just came back just came back yeah. and but I mean you go through periods of time um I tried I've tried a lot of different things um to get over that but I mean being around other people definitely helps and just working out in general mm. um, allows you to shut your brain off for a little bit and start singing songs. Yeah. Sing songs, <laughs> sing happy tunes and try not to die. Yes. So I think the gist of what we're trying to say here today is if you're having stress, get to the gym. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Find something, you know, like I was telling you, I play Xbox and I know I talk about it a lot, but, I think you have to find something that you can do that where it takes your mind completely off of that. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that takes my mind off of that. And then destroying these little kids <laughs> online when they should be in bed. Okay. And, um, that's funny you say that because like, I've been having kind of a rough week and last night I just, I, I got away from my, my home office and I went downstairs and I turned the Xbox on. I was like, I'm going to play the Xbox for an hour. Yeah. You know, just even if it kills me. I got on there, I played for an hour and I was just like, I stopped thinking about work. I stopped thinking about all the reports I'm having to generate. I stopped thinking about my customers that are being I see you online, you know, bro. pains in the ass. <laughs> and I'm just like, there, I'm, I'm good. I'm good now. 
Yeah, and sometimes it backfires though, because if I get on and they start owning me, I'm not breaking controllers. So there goes 60 bones. <laughs> Obviously, I haven't broken controller in a while. Like, I was younger, I did. My parents had to buy it. But now, like. <laughs> now that it's your money. Like, yeah, like, so you don't throw your golf clubs off. I got, you know. Fifteen hundred dollars set of golf, golf clubs. clubs like, yeah. You don't three hundred fifty dollars driver. You really don't want to yeah. go. You don't want to be grounding those bad boys. No, like as much you want to, you know, you you just can't throw it anymore. Yeah. But no, part of being an adult. <laughs> no, I think that find something that can de-stress you, take your mind off of it. You know, we talk about fitness because uh, scientifically it's proven. Obviously, that helps. You know, science isn't everything because some people still think the Earth is flat. But <laughs> if you if you're listening, showing, I'm sorry, but it's round. I've seen it. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Uh, I think find something that actually de-stresses you, and it could be you know I start shooting a lot more lately, and I think mm-hmm. I like that because especially if my if I'm out of shape, it makes me feel a little bit better about myself because <laughs> I can find something I'm decent at. Cause I can come in and I suck at CrossFit. Like, you, can go go you can go shoot some paper targets. Yeah, and then, then like I said, it can backfire because I have the I could have the worst day shooting with Bill, and, and like I'm doing everything wrong. Uh-huh. Like I've never done it before. Then I'm just like, why? Why do I exist? Why, why am I even here? Yeah, like yeah. I just need like ice cream. So. <laughs> but I think all of us can agree, and you guys sitting there at home listening, or driving in your car, or. Sit in the parking lot, Blake. Yes, yeah, in the parking lot, Blake. That um, y- you got to do something because doing nothing about your situation is not going to help it. Um, you know, like I said, my personal advice, uh, those moments when you were having stress and being challenged is when you need to go to the gym and just get out of your own head for 60 minutes. And don't post the memes. <laughs> With depressing ass memes, I see on my freaking feed, like... <laughs> Or the sad dogs. Reach, reach out to somebody. Or, right. I, I always, for the ones that get me are always the sad dogs. Hurry up and adopt this puppy. Otherwise, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's, yeah. don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. Thank you for listening to the One More Rep Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at One More Rep Podcast. Or on Twitter at Can I Get One More. Or shoot us an email at Can I Get One More at gmail.com. I hate being cold. It's weird. I don't like being cold, but I like snow sports. I like boarding. I don't ski anymore, but like, I, like I, I really look forward to the boarding season. Like, but I mean, this year, for instance, was horrible, and I didn't really get a chance to travel anywhere. But if you give me the choice, like I'd rather be in hot ass Qatar when it was 130 degrees. Yeah, yeah it was a. Mer- like last summer, a picture crossed a, came across my screen. It was like my last two weeks there. And it was like six o'clock in the morning. It's already bright as hell. And I took a picture of my watch and it already says like 90 degrees. Dude, that's perfect. <laughs> How about you, Jenna? Do you like hot or cold? Neither. <laughs> I like a nice 70 degree day. I like to be, I like it to feel like you're under a nice warm blanket, but you're not sweating your ass off either and panting. Like, you want to find some stuff related to stress and fitness so you can interject. Who? You. Oh, I got it all in my amygdala. Brain. Amygdala? Is that French? It's part of your brain. I already know it all. The medulla oblongata. <laughs> That's where smiles and happiness come from. <laughs> oh my gosh. I thought it was me too.
you know, and he can't even. (laughs) Fruit flies. You know, I think, you know, you can tie this into, we talk about, um, vet wad and things like that to PTSD. And I think a lot of times where people do fail is when they don't, they don't do anything and they can turn to substance, which we should talk about that real quick. But, mm-hmm. Cause we are, uh, 8% of the population. With, yeah. We are, eight, we are 8%, 8% using 80% of the world's. Oxycontin. So I said, um, the United States makes up 4% of the world's population, yeah. but we consume 80% of the Oxycontin that is produced in the world. And what the doc well, was, I'm no mathematician, yeah. <laughs> but, but those numbers are skewed. Those are skewed. And yeah. what the doc was saying about that is that we don't like to be in pain, whatever mm-hmm. that pain is, whether it's emotional, physical, whatever, financial, we just don't like to be in pain. And I mean, look at the, the epidemic with prescription pills and yeah. how much that is. And, and, yeah. For those of you that aren't here local to us here in Dayton, Ohio, we have a huge um, opioid issue, you know, all around, you know, heroin yeah i mean it's too easy to get though i think that's the biggest issue it's not people always just abusing it it's easy to get Mm -hmm. like i remember i went to the doctor i had i wanted to get a referral to go to a pt and she's like here's a prescription for pain medicine i was like i don't need that like i Mm -hmm. just but i mean it was that easy i i really didn't have to do anything how many a lot of people will just go to the doctors and tell the doctor what they want yeah i mean it shouldn't be that way and i think that Honestly, I think that right there is the biggest issue. Well, I don't. We could dig in big farm all day, but you know they're getting mm-hmm. kickbacks, so of course they're going to. They, the pharmaceutical companies want the doctors to push their prescriptions mm-hmm. because then they get kickback and they so get more. Yeah, they get they juices get, yeah, off. They of get it. juice off that. So it's so at the at our own expense, they're pushing this prescription. Keeps ref, they keep refilling it, you know, and you know pharmacies they pharmacies actually have kind of taken control of that, which. You can only fill some certain like level one drugs. You have, there's a time frame. Hell, I can't even get, I can't even get freaking, um, uh, Sudafed. Yeah. Without, you can, you can only get so many total milligrams of Sudafed yeah. in, a, in a 30 day period. And I just need it for a decongestant yeah. because of people making meth meth with it. Yeah. When I was in Arizona, you couldn't even, you had to get it from behind the counter. So you still have to do that here. Okay. But if you swipe your card, let's say I wanted, um, let's say I got a 10 count. And let's say I gave a couple of the pills away for people mm-hmm. and I'm out and I want to go back and say, I try to get a 15. Then it flags, flags or something. And I can't get it. Yeah. And then they'll try a 10. I mean, there's been a to- two times where I can't even literally, I can't even check it out. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to get me and damn to get decongest them. Cause mm-hmm. you know, it's fucking yeah, Ohio. Yeah. You and I, we have allergy issues but like for real. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy, but yeah, they've tried to put a, a stop to it, but you know, there's people, only so much that if it's out there, like Jenna said, you can't stop it all from getting out there. And then, you know, once you, once you try it, you may not be an addict, but you become one off of that because a, a good example, my dad had his knee replaced his very first one. And, um, one, what was it? One or 5% of people who have total knee replacements, they put a uh, blocking agent behind the knee mm-hmm. for pain management mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. Okay. And he was one of them oh, Okay, that, so he had this, when he wakes up, it's like, so like someone shot him in the leg or chopped his leg in half okay, yeah. and put a new one in it. He didn't have that. He had, he had no, there was zero pain management. He was at a level eight of 10 and he can take some, he's an old, old school guy, mm-hmm. but he could take that pain. 